Hey, privilege to be here tonight. Uh, really excited just to be able to come and hang with uh, some more of the church. How cool to be one church across multiple locations. Five going on, six going on, seven or 12, I don't know. Come on, what's our vision? How big's our vision? Can we believe for more, more and more churches? Uh, campuses being planted, I believe. So, hey, we're gonna open the Word of God tonight. We're gonna read from 1 Thessalonians chapter five. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, open it up. Otherwise, check it out on the screen. And uh, we're gonna read through a few verses, just kind of pull a passage apart a little bit tonight, if that's all right. It says in verse 12, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you. Thank you for this incredible encouragement. Lord, for a church that was uh, undergoing persecution and challenges. God, you brought this word, a, a message of encouragement that would, would build them and would strengthen them. God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, as individuals, but, but more importantly, corporately as a group of people, a community of believers. God, would you speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I know I'm gonna kind of just split the room immediately, but any footballers in the house, anyone like a bit of football? Yeah, yeah, all right. Okay, so three of us, brilliant. It's gonna, I can see this is going well already. Okay, how many people don't mind a little bit of sport? Let's, let's start with that, eh? Okay, so as a footballer, I've played football all my life, right from a young age. I, I just got, got going with football. I love it. Um, just, just, you know, years and years, I just played football. My, I got a six-year-old boy now. He basically walks from one room to the other with a football at his feet. So he'll dribble to one room, park, do what he needs to do, and then dribble the football back. It's like, I'm so proud. You know, of all the things that could have happened, I mean, that is so cool. But, but in football, I have touched the ball probably thousands, hundreds of thousands of times. So it's a, there you go. We even got one right here. All right. Has anyone, anyone actually never played football before? Never, never, ever kicked a soccer ball or never, ever you know, I was going to admit, are they? All right. Come on, I need a volunteer who, who wouldn't call themselves a footballer. No one. I'm gonna pick someone out. It's, it's a simple task. It's a simple task. Come on, Jeremy. Okay, it's a simple task. You can count to five, right? Yep. So you might need to just hat backwards. I don't know if that changes. Yeah, cool. All right. I just want you to do five, five headers on your head. Just, just five. Yep. Okay, we're gonna make up a shot. All right. Yeah. So, so just five. Yep. Oh. Go on. We'll give him one more shot. It's good, it's looking good, looking good. Uh, one more turn, one more turn. There we go, one more, one more. Come on, you got it, you got it. Two, three, up. I didn't actually fill in a Rams form for this one. Thanks, Jeremy, that's awesome, mate. <laughs> See, for someone who is, who's, hasn't probably played a whole lot of football necessarily, you know, once, kind of struggle a little bit, but then has another go, he'll get better and get, get better and get better and get better and then hopefully. Oh, 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 oh. See, I haven't done this for a while either. Oh. That'll do for now. <laughs> but you know, 
I've played football all of my life and when the ball rolls to me now, if it rolls out 20 yards out from goal, instinctively I just know what to do. The ball goes straight into the top corner, right? Well, it should do. If it did, I wouldn't be here, right? I'd be playing somewhere else. I wouldn't be speaking to you. But the instinctive response is I've done it so many times is that my body kind of knows what to do. Now you apply this to any sport, whether it be netball or rugby or league, whatever it is, if you do something enough times, it becomes instinctive. You stop thinking about it. Remember you're first starting to learn how to drive some, you're still doing that and everything feels disjointed. It's like your, your, your hands, feet don't really wanna go where you wanna go. How many of you drive home now and don't even, you, you're like, you get home, you go, oh my goodness, I just, I just drove for 20 minutes and I don't remember any of that trip. It's become instinctive. I was driving with Boyd Ratnaraja, that's a scary experience. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? When, when we do something enough times, it becomes so instinctive. You know, if you're a chef, your knife skills, if you're a builder on the hammer, on the tools, you do it enough times and it becomes so instinctive. Imagine if our Christian character could be instinctive. Imagine if when difficult things happen in our life, our instinctive response is not anger, frustration, that word that slips out when it shouldn't. What if our response instead was praise? What if it was forgiveness? What if it was mercy? What if it was compassion? Is it possible to live like this? I believe it is. I wouldn't be saying it if I, yeah, if I wasn't here. So here we go. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 4 verse, uh, 1 verses 4 to 6. You know, the church of Thessalonica was going through a real challenge, some real struggles. They were going through persecution. It was a church that, that was birthed in the middle of difficult times. And under this persecution, they were growing in their faith. The church was growing. The church was developing. And so Paul sends his letter to the church of Thessalonica, encouraging them, but also challenging them. In verse uh, 4 to 6 in chapter 1, it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The church of Thessalonica were, were living their faith in the middle of hard times. What we can learn from them is being a Christian doesn't exempt me from problems. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have troubles. There will be troubles. It is a guarantee of a Christian life and a non-Christian life. Whether you, whether you believe in Jesus or not, troubles will come. We live in a world that is, is sinful. We, we live in a world that, that is damaged and broken. And so there will be troubles. There will be struggles that we will face. Being a Christian doesn't exempt me from my problems. But being a Christian, being a Christ follower, means I can be an example through my problems. So when my problems come at me, I can respond differently to the way other people do. When I respond differently, people go, why would you respond that way? Because I want to respond this way. When somebody's done something bad to me, I want to kill them. Or at least defame their name. I, I want to do something to make them hurt. And you want to forgive instead? When that person cuts in on you, you want to bless them instead. Come on. You're going to get real tonight. So Paul's addressing the people. So he starts in verse 12 of chapter 5. Where we first started. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Paul's saying acknowledge those who work hard. 
Work, those who are working hard among you. I love Elon Christian Center. I love the fact that we have our dream team. How many people are a part of the dream team? Serving in different areas within church. If you are not a part of the dream team, seriously, you are missing out. We were created to, to live our gifts out in a way that we can serve other people. I know you can sign up to be at the dream team at the close of the service. You wanna take your gifts, your skills, the way God's wired you, and actually serve some people, that is the coolest thing. We just had conference, and I love the fact that I just went back to where my roots are. I was just straight back into the kids' program. It's like I could sit in the seats here, but the greatest fun was actually being out there with the kids because that's kind of where I come alive. That's where I fight, you know, that's where my passion is. And when you find that place in serving the Lord and serving others, it's a great place to be. And so Paul's saying, encourage those people that work hard among you. Then it goes on and he says, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Man, if we could just stop on those few words there, live in peace with each other. We don't do so well with that one, right? You know, one of the, 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 the biggest tensions I think I've learned to live with as a Christian is getting on with someone who has a different opinion to me. Anyone know anyone that has different opinions to you? You know, and, and, and you find yourself going, I disagree with you, and so I'm finding it hard to like you. But is it possible that someone could have a different opinion to you and still be friends and still live at peace with each other? Now, if it's not a theological thing or, a, or you know, something that's a principle that, that you actually completely disagree with, if it's simply a preference, we can learn to live in peace with each other. Some of you will disagree with the fact that Liverpool's the best team in the world. There's probably only one person I'll find agreement, eh, JP? Yeah, just one. <laughs> hey, we're top of the table, tired at the moment, so I'm gonna live it for as long as I can. They will probably disappoint us in a few games to come. As I've always said, it's, you don't wanna support a winning team because there's no sermon illustrations in that. You know, all, you, know you, you wanna support a team that continually disappoints you so that you can get back up and go again. There's far, far too many sermons in that than a winning team that wins all the time, so... You'll never walk alone. <laughs> it's okay to disagree with each other and we can still live in peace with each other. Then Paul goes on in verse 14 and he says, we urge you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. It's kind of like he does a little bit of a stir up. He's going, oh, come on, I know there's some people that aren't pulling their weight in the church. You know, people aren't really working like they should. Come on, let's just stir them up a little bit, put a bit of heat under them. You know, kind of, kind of get, them, get them a little bit excited about what's happening. But then he says there's gonna be some people that are weak among you, some people that are struggling in their faith. Get alongside them. You put an arm around them and go, come on, come on, we, we, we can work through this. You're going through a tough time, that's okay. I'm with you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk the journey with you. You don't have to do this alone. And this is where I wanna land it. Oh, it got, verse 15, it says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And then Paul lands on three verses that are three of the shortest verses in the Bible. If you wanna learn three verses in a row, this is a really good passage. I'm giving you a clue here. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, because there's a vision statement right here for Christian living. This is the way, we're told that this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus is to live this way. This is what it says, rejoice always, pray continually, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. There's, there's kind of a common theme here. It's, it's, it's saying that no matter what happens, my response is going to be to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. Three things that roll off the tongue, but they aren't so easy to do, right? Paul tells us that God's will for our lives is to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. When I was preparing this message, I shared this thought with Amy, and she says, but no one does that, Mike. No one prays or rejoices always, prays continuously, and gives thanks at all times. No one does that. I said, but maybe we can. Maybe we can. Is it possible that we can live our lives that way so that people would look at us and go, I can't believe the way you responded there. You know, when we do something that, that makes an impact on somebody else, we're told to be salt and light in the world. Why? Not so people go, wow, Mike is awesome, but people would look at what I do and they'd, they'd give praise to God, our Father in heaven. That's why we do what we do. That's why we respond the way we respond. Not so people can go, man, that Adrian's an awesome guy. He should have been so angry right then. But oh my goodness, he forgave that person. Wow, God must be amazing because of the way he responded. Because I couldn't ever do that. There must be something happening inside of him that's different to what's happening inside of me. Was Paul saying, don't have feelings? I don't think so. I don't think Paul was saying at all that we just forget, you know, just, you know, I don't, don't even feel what's going on. I'll just you have this blanket response. No, feelings are real things. We're supposed to actually engage in our feelings. Feelings are a good thing. We couldn't love somebody if we didn't have feelings and emotions, right? We couldn't choose to love somebody if we didn't actually feel a little something. But what Paul's saying is we have to do something with the feelings we have. When we, those emotions come on us, how are we going to respond? Choice is always there. To rejoice is my choice. Is that going to be our choice? Are we going to choose to respond? What Paul was saying is when your feelings rise up, make a choice. And, and you say, well, okay, well, what does Paul know about you know, difficult times? Well, this is the guy that, that wrote Philippians under house arrest. And he says, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord Always. And again, if you didn't hear it the first time, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice as I'm writing this from jail. This is a guy that, that went through some persecution like, like we wouldn't have ever experienced. And yet his choice was to rejoice. His choice was to say, I'm going to get above the circumstance and the situation. I'm not going to ignore it, but I'm going to fix my eyes and my focus on Jesus because he's my focus. He's my target. And if we do it enough times, it becomes instinctive. And our praise becomes instinctive. When that thing rolls at us, when that, that, that difficult relationship comes at us, when we've got that feeling that we want to get angry, we want to hold offense, our instinctive response, if we do it enough times, will be to praise, to rejoice at all times, to pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. What do I mean? Because, you know, maybe I'm just not connecting to some of you. Try driving and and, and you know the, in the motorway, it says you're to merge like a zip. Someone doesn't merge like a zip. 
you know, you've got your space, right? You're entitled to your space. You're leaving enough room so that you can merge safely and they take your space. You fearfully and wonderfully created human being. <laughs> how do we respond? I mean, seriously, how do we respond when that happens? Some of us not so well. I had a couple of those on the drive down. Tap the drivers, you know, tap the steering wheel. Oh, good, you can have my space. God bless you, I will pray for you. Pray for your salvation as I trail you. It's a great way to respond, right? What about the blue screen of death on your computer? Oh, none of you have any of those, eh? What about that? What about the spinning rainbow? Oh, now we're talking, now we're talking. Is that not just God's reminder that he would never flood the earth again? When that rainbow starts spinning on your computer, is that just not an opportunity for you to say, praise God, your grace and your mercy is there. Come on, we're gonna praise God at all times, right? That rainbow window will never look the same again, that little spinning rainbow. Every time you see it now, you're not gonna start cursing, you're gonna praise God because of his promises. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks at all times. I think there's kind of a little bit of a clue here. Rejoice when things are going well. No, rejoice always. But what about on the bad days? I think Paul means that we're supposed to rejoice. I don't feel like praying. Paul says pray anyway. When you don't feel like praying, that's the best time to pray. You might not have any other words than, God, I've got nothing right now, but I'm gonna surrender my life to you again. I'm gonna surrender the situation. I'm gonna give this back to you because I don't know what to do in this situation. That's a good place to be. God might just fill that gap we are lacking if we put our trust in him. What if we could turn these choices into good reactions? What if instead of choosing to react in anger, we would react with peace, with joy instead of pain? What, what, what if we were to react in a different way? You know, being robbed isn't the worst thing that could ever happen to someone, but it was real for us. Uh, when we came down to conference, not, not this year, but the year before, uh, we, we got a phone call, Amy got a phone call, and it was a, a, a sergeant, a detective on the line. And, uh, and immediately she's kind of racking her brains, you know, trying to work out what misdemeanor she, you know, what has she done? You know, has she been speeding? What, has she been caught doing something? And then we found out, she says, I'm so sorry to report, but uh, your house has been broken into. One of your neighbors um, has, you know, kind of reported it and we've tracked down your number and, and uh, they've basically gone through the place. So, so we're here in Auckland ready to set up for conference. We can't do anything. We, we just checked into the motel. And a whole lot of different responses you could have right then, right? What's my response gonna be? Because I've got three little disciples of Christ sitting in the back seat. But you know what? I didn't actually have to think too hard about it. And I think we said something like, well, praise God. God's, God's gonna work something through this. Isn't it good that we weren't there when it happened? Come on, we started to look at the situation and start to praise God. But you know what, it was real for my eight-year-old girls, Rosie. 
We didn't, you know, there was some stuff we didn't share with her, rightly so. But she was pretty gutted that somebody had been through her room and gone through all of her stuff. I managed to get my mum and dad around and we FaceTimed through the house just to check, check that, you know, nothing major was stolen and a few things. And anyway, it was what it was. And Rosie was, she started crying, as, as you would expect a eight-year-old girl to do. And we got to the, we're in the motel room and she says, Dad, can I borrow your phone? I'm like, what, you're going to call a hit squad or something? Yeah. <laughs> but but I, knew, I knew where she was going. She put in her headphones, went to her playlist, and she selected the song she wanted to select. Turn my morning into dancing. Turn my sorrow into joy. She began to praise herself out of that. That was her response. 20 minutes later, and I watched as tears streamed down her face. It was my little girl, and I, I, I was like, I'm gonna let God do what he's gonna do right here. I gave her a hug, of course, but then I just let God do his work in her. And she just praised herself happy, handed the headphones back to me and says, Dad, I think I'm gonna be okay. I'm like, come on, that's my girl. That's my girl. She's, uh, it's like, you know, half glass half full, glass half empty. She'll drink both glasses, you know? This is, this is my Rosie. She's a, she's a, you know, there's something in her that instinctively she wanted to respond the right way. And it was a little bit hard for her to do, but she just kept going until it was right. And then I said, do you think we could pray for these boys? She goes, yes, yeah, let's do that. And so we did. We prayed for them. We prayed for them and did something about it. We pray that out of this, something good would actually happen. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna choose to rejoice. I'm gonna choose to pray. I'm gonna give thanks in all circumstances, even when I get robbed. And as the team come this morning, this evening, it seems impossible when we try to do it on our own. And we can read this and we can think that this is something directed at me. Mike, you've got to. Rejoice always, you've got to pray continually. Mike, you've got to give thanks at all times. But, but this wasn't a passage written to an individual. This was a passage written to a community of Jesus' followers. Saying, come on, together, together, when you go through the hard times, when someone's persecuted, when somebody's killed for their faith, together, come on, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Because there's some days I don't feel like rejoicing, but I'm so glad I've got someone around me who's gonna put their arm around me and say, you know what, Mike? Come on, we're gonna get up, we're gonna get through this because we're gonna do it together. We're not supposed to do it in isolation. Abby talked about small groups. If you're not in a small group, you're gonna struggle. Life will be challenging for you if you are not in a group of people that know your story group of people that when you're down, they can lift you up and say, come on, we're getting through this together. And so Paul was saying, come on, in community, what would it look like if, if Elam Botany, the group of people where difficult circumstances take place? And hey, we know about tragedies in this place, don't we? And you know what happened all those years ago with the Mangatapopo tragedy? A group of believers got together they said, you know what? We're just gonna stand strong. We're gonna praise anyway. A couple of the guys, even when it was happening, picked up a guitar and said, we're just gonna worship because that's all we got. That's all we know right now. That's how God is wanting us to respond. 
Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks at all times. You're saying, well, what if I'm not a super positive person? That's okay. Get around someone who is. That's why Amy married me, eh, babe? <laughs> it's like we're good for each other. I'm like, come on, let's go take a risk. She says, let's just kind of put the handbrake on a little bit. And it's actually a really good mix. But we're good for each other. We lift each other up. We encourage one another. Just before I get up to preach, she puts her arm around me and she prays in my ear. God be with her. You know, I just felt that encouragement just lift as she does that for me. Come on, in community, we get to do this together. You know, like in, in soccer, I was talking about that instinctive response when the ball comes. I just know what to do. Left foot, right foot. It's become instinctive to me. So when this thing happened to me, I'm like, God, what's gonna come out of this? This is kind of cool, we got robbed. I'm going, that's an interesting response, but it's kind of like, what could happen? Our, our small group that week, we, we got back from conference and they said, well, isn't it awesome they picked you to rob Mike? Because they know me. They know that if I'm gonna get robbed, I'm getting involved. And so I was invited to the family group conference. Yay! The family group conference is where they, so they found the two guys and they, and they basically have to go through a process of you know, making things right with the person that they've wronged. And so we're invited to go to this family group conference. So I turned up to the family group conference. I'm like, if I'm gonna get robbed, I might as well make the most of it, right? So I turn up and the, and the, the guy who's running it looks at me and I, I could see he's not quite sure what to do. And I'm like, do you want me to wait outside? So I kind of go outside and he goes, uh, who are you and what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm Mike, I, I got robbed. I'm, I'm here for the family group conference. And he says, no one turns up to these things. I said, well, I got robbed. So if I'm gonna get robbed, I might as well be a part of something that might, good that might come out of it. And I said, you know, he says, what do you do? I says, I'm a pastor and I, you know, I've worked with youth throughout the years. And, and, and so we come in and we sit down and the, and the boy who, who robbed our house is sitting beside me. And so the guy who's running the session says, hey, do you, hey Mike, do you, do you mind starting with a karakia? I'm like, sure, why not? So I'm given the opportunity to pray. So what do I do? I prophesy. I just prophesied over this boy. I just prophesied that, that what, what happened is not gonna be his future, that actually God's got a better future. So I just began to prophesy over this guy. But then it gets really funny because we kind of have this conversation and then we're supposed to, the victims are supposed to leave the room while they come up with a plan, you know, how to make things right and how to take some positive steps forward and yeah, kind of, kind of some coaching towards, you know, becoming a better person. And so the guy running the session says, hey, Mike, do you want to stay in and maybe, you know, kind of help them work out a plan together? Like, I don't think this is how it normally goes. But sure, why not? So I got to sit with this boy and we, we got to talk. A couple of months later, we ran our Christmas box. We all gave into these Christmas boxes. Amy and I were able to put some money aside to, to buy a Christmas box. And we're working with the local police. They, they choose all the names, we don't choose them. And I, I went to the lady who's running it and I said, I said, you know, just by any chance, is this particular name on there? She says, oh yeah. I said, do you mind if I deliver it? Is that cool? So I went with one of these police officers and I went to the mum 
And I'd already given her a hug at the, at the family group conference and said, it's okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get through this. Put a massive big Christmas box in her hands, gave her a big hug. She burst into tears. I did too. I'm a softie. And oh man, yes, got robbed. But you know, there's always a silver lining, you know. They pulled our TV off the wall and dropped it. And it was a Vion. I'm so disappointed they dropped my warehouse TV. The insurer rang me one day and says, I'm so sorry. We don't replace Vions. All we can replace it with is a Samsung Ultra HD. Mm. Come on, I made 700 bucks off that robbery. It's awesome. Come on, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Make a choice because we're gonna react one way. Which way are we going to rejoice? Which way are we going to choose? I'm going to go on the side of, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to believe that somebody else might come on the journey with me. I'm going to respond in such a way that they might actually come to know Christ as a result of that. Imagine a group of, commu- a community of people that would live a life like that. And here's why I can rejoice. Because even when our world's falling apart, even when sickness has ravaged our bodies, even when we've, a relationship is broken apart, we can have a hope in knowing that our names are written in the book of life, that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Luke 10, 20, it says, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is a hope that we can have, that it doesn't matter what happens in this world because this world's gonna pass away but we have eternity that we can have with Christ Jesus. We can have an eternity, we can have a relationship with God forever. And you might be here today saying, well, I don't know if I've got that relationship. You know, it's just one prayer away. It's one act of surrender that says, I'm giving up my old way of living and I'm choosing to follow you. And tonight, with every head bowed and eye closed, I wanna give an opportunity for anybody saying, I'm not quite right with God. You know, if I was to die tonight, I'd, I don't know whether my eternity with God would be secure. The Bible tells us all of us have sinned. We've fallen short of a standard that God sets for us. But you know what? God's grace and His mercy said, yeah, I've got a plan. I wanna bring you back in relationship with me. And I'm gonna do that by giving you my son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross pay a punishment that I deserved, that you deserved. In doing so, He became a perfect sacrifice, which meant that we didn't have to be sacrificed, but we could have relationship with God forever. Friend, if you're here tonight and you know your life isn't right with God and you want it to be, I'm gonna pray a prayer. In fact, we're all gonna pray it together. I'm gonna say a line and you just repeat after me. If you believe in your heart, you want to change, you, you want God to come into your life, you pray this prayer and the Bible says, your prayer of faith will result in salvation. You become a child of God. So if that's you, why don't you pray with me tonight? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your great love for me. Thank You for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me. 
I turn from my old way of living and choose to follow you. I receive your gift of grace in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We wanna know who you are if you pray that prayer. Not so we can stand you up and embarrass you, but simply we wanna connect with you. We wanna have a conversation with you. We wanna help you take your next step in following Jesus. But in order to know who that is, we just want you to just give us an indication by slipping up your hand. If you prayed that prayer, coming to God for the very first time, or maybe you're coming back to Him, will you just slip your hand up right now? That's me, praying that prayer for the first time. Maybe coming back to God. Anyone here tonight? Just as I look across the room. Anyone here? Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you stand with me? As we close, we're gonna sing with the final chorus. And I don't know where you stand and what's going on in your world, the challenges you're facing, the circumstances you're going through at the moment. But why don't you take a step right now, right now to rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Man, if we're gonna fill the front here with some people that need to take a step towards praise, why don't we do that tonight? So come on, Father, we thank You that to rejoice is my choice. And God, I pray that for some tonight, they would shift the way they think, that they would begin to make the decision to rejoice so that one day it would become instinctive, that out of our hearts would flow the right response. And God, if it's not happening right now, God, I pray that we would take a step tonight and then another step tomorrow and another the next day. And together as a community, we would begin to rise up above our circumstances and begin to pray, rejoice and give thanks at all times. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Come on, let's rejoice together.